part one of a three-part series today. Crew, let's ranch it up. Good day, everyone, and thanks for riding with us as we ranch it up. A big thanks goes out to our Ranch It Up lineup, the American Gelby Association, Abrahamson Rodeo Company, Westway Feed Products, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, AuctionTime.com, RFD-TV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. We've been advertising for quite some time, our big three, our three-part series, and today we start part one of that three-part series on RCAF USA, USCA, and NCBA. Each organization gets a chance to share their platform, their thoughts on the current cattle industry, what we need to do going forward. So sit back and listen, ask the questions that you need to ask, and then follow through in reaching out to whomever you feel you need to reach out to. Sitting back and doing nothing accomplishes nothing. Arguing among ourselves does nothing. If something needs to change, in your opinion, stand up and say what needs to be changed and offer a solution how. Part one begins with Bill Bullard, the CEO of RCAF USA. If we take a snapshot of where we are today in the cattle business, how would you describe that? We are alarmingly close to being completely vertically integrated, where the major meat packers control the entire cattle supply chain to the packer. Uh, we are close when we compare that to the poultry industry that is already completely vertically integrated, the hog industry likewise vertically integrated. The cattle industry is getting extremely close right now. Are there some marketing opportunities that we can take advantage from vertical integration? Well, certainly the integrator takes advantage of that. It's very profitable for them. <laughs> right, right, right. And what they do is they, they eliminate the number of participants within the supply chain. They consolidate the supply chain and they control it. And they control it through production contracts. And many producers aren't aware of it, but we already have those kinds of contracts where the meat packer is actually owning the animals, owning the mm -hmm. feed, and essentially paying the producer to be an employee to feed the animals. We saw the contract in the Easter Day contract between Easter Day Cattle Feeding Company and Tyson. And Easter Day was one of the nation's largest cattle feeding operations. And in that contract, Tyson could purchase the cattle, reimburse for the cattle, reimburse for the feed, and essentially pay Easter Day for the management and the feeding of the animals. And so we believe that there are many more of those kind of sweetheart contracts out there that are essentially uh, giving to the meat packers the ability to control the supply chain. And of course, as our feedlot industry becomes more and more consolidated, that means there's fewer marketing opportunities for independent cattle producers who are selling feeder calves. And that's how the control is going to be pushed upstream in the supply chain all the way to the cow-calf producer. They're going to have limited options with which to sell their calves. And those options are going to come, come with uh, requirements in terms of production practices that they must meet in order to have their cattle eligible for purchase in the marketplace. Um, this is dangerous where we're at today and needs to be reversed immediately. We're headed into the perfect storm. We've had a dysfunctional marketplace going on for eight years now where there's been a complete separation between the value of cattle 
and the value of beef being sold in the grocery stores. And so the cattle producer is fast losing his and her share of that consumer beef dollar because of this complete disconnect. And then you add on top of that, uh, the, these exceptionally high input costs, and you're going to render our independent cattle producers all across the United States uh, unable to even return or receive a cost of production return from the marketplace itself. This is a dangerous situation because we saw what happened in the hog industry back in the late 90s when conditions got so bad that we just lost a huge mass of producers uh, that essentially went past the tipping point. In mm -hmm. other words, that they, they met the point of no return, uh, where even if they could restore competition today, there's no longer enough participants or competitive infrastructure remaining to sustain a competitive industry. And that could happen this year in the cattle industry if some uh, reform steps aren't taken and taken immediately. You know, if we look, we go back just four decades ago, which is just over a generation. And, and back then, the cattle producer received 63 cents of every consumer dollar spent on beef. And the packers and the retailers shared 37 cents. Now, jump ahead to today, that is completely reversed. Now, the cattle uh, retailer and the uh, packer received 63 cents for every consumer beef dollar, and the producer only receives 37 cents. So how does that happen in four decades? A complete reversal of the respective shares, uh, the allocated shares in the competitive marketplace. How was that reversed that quickly? And it was reversed because the meat packers have strategically established public policies, uh, the rules of the game, if you will, the framework within which our industry operates. It's all been designed to benefit the packers and to benefit the packers' ability to capture control over our industry like they have already captured in our sister industries. In fact, it started well before the Holcomb fire. It started in 2015. We saw an inexplicable collapse in fed cattle prices. And that collapse occurred after all the experts in the industry predicted that the independent cattle producers would continue to receive strong prices for at least the next three years, meant all the way through 2018. And that's because of the long biological cycle of cattle. Our herd size was the smallest in seven decades in 2014. We'd only just begun to rebuild uh, our production uh, capacity in 2015, and it was expected to take at least three years, but it didn't. Cattle prices collapsed immediately. They collapsed further and faster than any time in history. And at that point in time, the middleman, the meat packers, started to enjoy some of the highest uh, margins in, in the history of their, their industry. And since 2015, they've continued to enjoy ex, uh, exceedingly high margins and at the cost of the producers at one end of the supply chain and consumers on the other, because producers have been receiving depressed prices while consumers are paying super inflated prices for beef. When our industry was profitable, we saw our rural communities uh, revitalized. In other words, there were opportunities again being rebuilt in rural communities because the cattle industry is the largest segment of American agriculture. It's in every state of the union. It's an absolute economic pillar uh, for rural communities all across America. And so when you as a producer were finally receiving a profitable price from the marketplace itself, um, that was benefiting the, the uh, rural communities. And now we see just the reversal. We continue to see these rural communities hollowing out because you as the pillar of the uh, economic cornerstone for these communities 
uh, is no, are no longer profitable. In fact, we've lost many producers. We don't know the number yet because we have to wait for the next Census Bureau count, mm -hmm. but we know we've lost an alarming number of independent cattle producers. And we do know based on USDA data, but just in the past 25 years, we've lost 75% of all of our independent feeders. You know, you jump back to the mid and early 1990s, we had 110,000 independent cattle feeders out there sitting in the auction yards and coming to your farms and ranches to buy cattle. Now that number has been reduced 20, 75%. We only have 25,000 left. And until and unless we do something, uh, this economic downturn will continue for the cattle industry and it'll continue to pull down uh, the economic cornerstones of all our rural communities all across America. Crew, we're going to keep it going. We've got more with Bill Bullard coming up after the break. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Gelvy and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Gelvy and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Gelvy and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Margins are the tightest that I can remember in diesel. Well, that's the highest I've ever seen. So how do we survive? Where do we make cuts? Where don't we make cuts? I think it has long-term consequences that we have to think about. It's not easy, but we'll be diving into those topics, the tough ones. Livestockmarket.com is the go-to online marketplace for livestock, horses, hay, and straw. Sales manager Mark Vanzi tells us how easy it is to use. Cattleman can take photographs, videotape his own calves. He can upload them directly to the site. He can sell them private treaty. He can sell them on the online auction. The biggest principle behind the whole livestockmarket.com concept is producer has complete control. The online platform that works without all the restrictions. Livestockmarket.com on Facebook, too. This coming from our partners from Neogen. Now, over the next several months, we will be bringing you insect control solutions, money-saving tips, how to establish biosecurity during a time of pinching pennies, all that and lots, lots more from our crew from Neogen. Welcome back, everyone. Before the break, we heard from Bill Bullard, the CEO of RCAF USA, as part one of our three-part series on producer association representation. Now, let's continue with Bill. Currently, I know this about RCAF, and, and, and if I'm not correct on this, Bill, please correct me on this, but I know that y'all are currently, you're kind of fighting on two fronts, um, if I can use those words, with MCOOL, which is mandatory country of origin labeling, and... 5014, the Cattle Market Protection Bill. Am I correct on, on that? You're, you're correct. Those okay. are the triage measures that we're asking for, the very first steps to, re, to put a halt to the ongoing contraction of our industry. Those are the two measures that would have the most immediate and positive impact on putting a halt to, this, to the trajectory we're currently on. We need more to fix it, but we have to start somewhere. There's a starting point. My question is how? So for many, many years, cow-calf producers had no involvement with the meatpacking industry. And so what was happening in the fed cattle market seemed very distant to them. They weren't paying attention. They weren't paying attention to the shrinkage of the cash market in the fed cattle market, uh, the growth in the volume of alternative marketing arrangements, which are captive supplies. And then suddenly after 2015, when this huge disconnect occurred and cow-calf producers were experiencing severely depressed prices, as were the fed cattle, 
Now they understand the connection that the cow-calf producers' calves value is the expected future value when it's a fed animal being ready, ready to be sold to a packer. What is it that has caused the problem? And what has caused the problem is that the meat packers effectively purged competition from throughout the live cattle supply chain. And they did that in the fed cattle market. So the solution has to be competition. You have to restore competition. Well, how do you do that? Well, number one, in a competitive industry, it's the consumers who, through their buying preferences, initiate demand signals that creates competitive forces in a marketplace. That's why we need mandatory country of origin labeling to empower consumers to be able to distinguish the superior USA product so that they can choose to purchase that product. And when they do, they will initiate demand signals to the packers and the packers can go to one source and one source only to satisfy that particular consumer demand. They have to go to the United States USA produce cattle. Well, now that we have the demand signal started from the consumer where it should be in a competitive marketplace, now we need to force those four packers that control 85% of the fed cattle market. We have to force them to compete in the domestic market for those USA cattle to satisfy that consumer demand. That's where the 5014 comes in, where they have shrunk that cash market to an ultra thin volume today, where it is incapable of establishing a competitive value for cattle. The 5014 bill will force them to purchase at least 50% of their cattle in the cash market. That will immediately restore competitive market forces where they, where they have been purged, uh, and that will benefit the industry. But then you need to start to address these, uh, these capital supply arrangements known as alternative marketing arrangements uh, that are tied directly to a future uh, cash price. And yet, if you have an ultra-thin cash price and you continue to allow the meat packers to procure cattle through these alternative marketing arrangements that are tied to the cash price, you're essentially granting to the meat packers the ability and the incentive to drive down that ultra-thin cash market. And they can do that simply by shunning the market. Because when they can drive down the cash market, they also drive down the value of the, all the cattle they have under their alternative marketing arrangements. It's a beautiful setup for the meat packers, and it is working just as it has been planned. And that is to reduce opportunities for independent cattle producers to force them to market the cattle the way the packers want them marketed and to essentially control the actual supply chain, as we talked about earlier, uh, and the, as exemplified by the Easter Day contract that we're fully aware of now. That is, in essence, a production contract, not a marketing contract. It's a production contract where the meat packer is controlling the cattle, the feed, and dictating the, the management. Bill, I'm going to bring up this question that you have been asked many times, and that is, why don't we just enforce the laws that are on the books and have been on the books versus trying to rewrite them or adding new laws or changes? Well, we, in fact, asked our U.S. Department of Justice and U.S. Department of Agriculture to do just that ever since 2015, in fact, well before 2015. Mm -hmm. But they showed little interest at all in taking any enforcement action. And so we took the bull by the horns and filed a historic antitrust class action lawsuit against the big four, alleging that they have conspired unlawfully to depress prices for cattle, while at the same time inflating beef prices for consumers. So we took a private action, and earlier you said we're on three fronts, or two fronts, we're actually in three. We're in the judicial system trying to enforce existing laws. We're in Congress trying to uh, initiate reform measures because 
we have gone too long with a lack of enforcement that now even more needs to be done. And we are pursuing that in Congress and we are pursuing a, a rulemaking in the U.S. Department of Agriculture through our executive branch in order to promulgate rules to clarify and actually implement and enforce the over 100-year-old Packards and Stockyards Act that should have prevented uh, the current condition that we're in, but it, it didn't. And so this, this is a huge problem. It's a systemic problem. It didn't just happen in 2015. The, the loss of the, cons- the producer's leverage in the marketplace has been going on for decades, and there has been absolute inattention to it. But now we've never seen uh, the intense scrutiny of our industry that we have seen that's going on right now. Kind of wrapping up, one of the, the big things that I believe in is being your own advocate. Uh, it would for no matter what that is. And I think, in my opinion, anyway, uh, regardless of how producers feel, regardless of how producers think, in whatever arena, any avenue, I think we need to be our own advocate and don't let somebody else speak on our behalf and uh, don't let somebody else make decisions for us where if we are in opposition for something, we need to let our voice voice be heard. If we are in agreement with something, we need to let our voice be heard. So with that being said, people wanting some more information or they want to to visit with with uh, and I know you're good about this bill. You'll you'll talk to anybody anytime anywhere. So how's the best way for for people to start to engage in conversation where either they can they can share with you and be their own advocate and say I support or I am in opposition and let's talk about this thing as producers let's let's come together and talk especially when there is opposition. Well that's right and uh, you know to look at the policy positions that we've been pursuing for decades they can go to our website at r-callfusa.com or to our Facebook page, uh, or they can call us at 406-252-2516. But what you said is extremely important. Uh, Cattle producers do need to take up this action on their own because if they don't, no one else will do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nevertheless, cattle producers do need to take an active role in expressing their opinions. Cattle producers need to sign up and join with the organization that best represents uh, their their view of the future, where they want their operation to be and what opportunities they want for their children and grandchildren. Bill Bullard, CEO of RCAF USA. I so much appreciate the time. Now, over the next two weeks, we will hear from Jess Peterson with the U.S. Cattlemen's Association and Don Schiefelbein, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, to round out our three-part series. So mark it on your calendar and keep it tuned right here. Up next, market updates from Livestock market.com and kirk has the numbers crew it's super easy to get a hold of the boss lady and i and we want to hear any beef that you may have or maybe just let us know what's happening out there in cow country 707 ranch 20 is the hotline leave us a voicemail or fire us a text 707 ranch 20 Every week we hear from one of our great partners with updates, info, schedules, reports, and everything in between when it comes to buying and selling livestock and hay online and private treaty. Livestockmarket.com on Facebook too. A couple of buzzwords flying around the industry lately. Regenerative ag. Not new, but maybe new to you. What is regenerative ag? How does it work? Can I use it? Does it make a difference? We answer all that in the weeks to come right here on the Ranch It Up Radio Show.
Want to add just a little bit of spice to your event, your customer appreciation supper, your banquet, your meeting? Oh, yeah. Well, bring in us, beckonize your keynote speakers, hosts, MCs, a host couple. We'll make them laugh, even cry tears of joy. Call us today. The necessities of life, food, water, shelter. And your favorite radio hosts, this is Jeff Tigger Earhart. And Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. Beck. Join us every week right here for the Ranch It Up radio show. And the Bend radio show. We talk cattle, market, sale barn reports, news. Cooking, lifestyle, outdoors, recreation. And everything in between. And there's a lot in between. Ranch It Up. And the Bend. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for staying with us. Kirk Donsbach, Stonex Financial Incorporated. With me, as always, Kirk, how are you? Sometimes I, I, I need to ask that because I know you're in the midst of doing everything. How are things rolling at the Donsbach Ranch? And they're rolling right along, Tigger. Uh, I appreciate you asking. Haying is pretty much wrapped up. I'm a good way through getting it all moved off and, and on to irrigating. Uh, it's awful nice to have irrigation this year, as I'm sure everybody in the country knows. Well, and you're kind of dry there, aren't you? Because I know we, we started talking at the beginning of spring, and by golly, we need some rain. And then it was three weeks, and we got to make decisions, then two weeks, and then the rains came. But now things have kind of dried up there again, haven't they, in central Montana? Yeah, we really haven't, uh, haven't rained much since we've got the, those real nice rains. Um, I hate to, hate to complain too much. A, a drought map definitely shows us in quite a bit better condition than really a lot of the u.s you won't hear any complaints out of me but it's plenty dry right right okay so with that my friend let's move into the numbers because i do have a couple questions for you also at the end but i'll let you go through the numbers first for that all right let's get into it as of friday july 29th august feeders closed 178.75 that's down 290 on the week with the cme feeder index at 172 172.31 up a dollar thirty, so cash is rallying. Futures are coming down; they're they're converging, leaving the basis at a negative six dollars and twenty six and a half cents. August live closed the week at one thirty six thirty. That's down eighty five cents on the week. Cash traded one thirty five to thirty seven in the south, one thirty eight to one forty one in the north. With Iowa trading a few at one forty five, leaving our five area weighted average at one thirty nine oh seven, down a dollar fifty eight on the week. And the basis at positive $2.62. So very kind of what you would call normalized basis. The weekly slaughter came in at a very positive 669000 That's 23000 over same week last year. And choice boxes printed $269.24, up $2.12. So again, we've got higher slaughter rate and higher prices. So that, that is definitely a good sign. December corn closed the week at $6.22.5, up $0.40 on the week. So we're getting a little bit of bullish kind of movement in corn. If you look at the charts, the trend break kind of saying the big movement down in trend, at least for the time being, appears to be over. And now my question for you is this, with a lot of us looking at uh, weaning calves here awfully darn soon, if we aren't kind of on the verge already, is it too late to look at marketing opportunities kirk no i'm i'm definitely not too late you know i heard that that just this last week the yearlings were, were selling like hotcakes in kansas I, I think the cash market is very strong still uh it might have weakened a little bit from the high but you're never going to pick the high anyway or if you do it's kind of just luck more than skill 
but definitely a, a very strong market to be selling into still. That's right. Never too late to start that marketing program. Those people that would like a little bit more information, just text the word cattle, C-A-T-T-L-E-2, 33777. That's Kirk's newsletter. It's free to get. I know a lot of you listening right now get that newsletter, but I know there's a lot of you that are listening for the first time. Get on board and start to get to know what Kirk's like and get some of his reviews by texting the word cattle, C-A-T-T-L-E-2. Hey, it's Mark Fanzi with LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, and AuctionTime.com. Thank you to everyone who got on and bid on cattle or hay last week on the online auction. Uh, If you want to see those results, you can jump on Auction Time right now and look at them. Uh, Just click on either the Livestock or the Hay tabs on the top, then click on Auction Results. Then you can either look by class on the left, or you can use that date selector if you want to see the results from that August 3rd sale specifically. The next big auction we have coming up will be Wednesday, August 17th. Now, that's a special sheep and goat online auction. We're still finalizing lots there, but I'll have a full sale bill for you next week. Some really good stuff on there and some really nice hay on that sale, too. Bidding will open up on those lots Wednesday, August 11th. After that, we have an all-class cattle auction on Wednesday, September 7th. You guys can sell feeders and stocker calves on that sale for just a dollar a head. So we're going to do bred cows, bred heifers, but it's also going to have a lot of feeders and stockers on it. If you want to get in on that, uh, give us a call, 844-775-4762, or look us up online at livestockmarket.com. Thanks, guys. And now that's going to wrap it up for today. A big thank you from our crew to yours, Bill Bullard, the CEO of RCAF USA. Appreciate the time. Mark Vanzi with LivestockMarket.com with the updates. Kirk Donsbach with Stonex Financial Incorporated with the numbers. A big thank you to our partners, the American Gelby Association, Abrahamson Rodeo Company, Westway Feed Products, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, AuctionTime.com, RFD-TV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. And crew, so glad y'all came with us one more time as we ranch it up. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at Ranch It Up Show. Our email, ranchitupshow at gmail.com. Call and text us 24-7 at 707-R-A-N-C-H-2. Oh, spread the good word and join us again next week where it's always Digger approved. Stay ranchy and ranch it up. <laughs>